Welcome to JP Morgan Weekender. A little early for the weekend, but we're doing a Wednesday call today uh, in advance of the Thanksgiving holiday. And with me is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're also doing it because we published our year ahead uh, outlook yesterday. Uh, the title of it is I'm Not in Love, But I'm Open to Persuasion, which I think is to try to get across the idea that we're not in love with the soft landing uh, optimism that's uh, moving through the markets right now. Uh, we still uh, maintain a boil the frog baseline uh, forecast, which incorporates some gradual deterioration that ends the expansion early or sometime in 24 or early 25. Um, but we are not holding the same degree of skepticism around soft landing as there've been a number of factors that have played out here over the last uh, number of months, including you know, pretty good US supply side performance, including pretty clear signs there's excess capacity in the goods space in uh, China and perhaps somewhere some, some, some in Western Europe as well. Um, and including simply the fact that the private sector is healthier perhaps today than we thought it would be at this point in the face of the monetary tightening. So there's a lot that we can unpack here. Um, Joe, why don't I get you going in terms of just thinking about how do we see um, the most likely outcome for the global economy as we go through really the next two or three quarters, the, you know, the, where we're going to be put a 25 outlook out as well, but I really don't want to spend time on that. But like, what is the motion of the global economy here and how confident are you about the moving parts of what's in our, in our baseline here? Well, I mean, I think the next, Kind of a couple quarters here are going to feel, as we've been saying, kind of observationally equivalent across all these views. And that really underscores the degree to which it's hard to have conviction at this point. What I mean by that is in either our kind of house view, bottoms up view of a U.S. kind of soft landing or in our view that things maybe start to start to break by the time you get to the second half of the year or maybe even a touch earlier, things are going to get soft here. And I think the motion is going to uh, show a decel further deceleration in labor markets, um, probably continued softness in global industry um, in a world where we're, we're seeing kind of not particularly great final goods demand in a world where inventories um, probably aren't going to do as much lifting as maybe I had hoped earlier in the year, given high interest rates, high carry costs. Um, and then importantly, I think a fading of some of the supports that drove a lot of the growth this year, whether it's from the normalization on the service sector, uh, which maybe has a little more juice left in the engine, but not as strong as this year. Uh, similarly, fiscal, which was an important part of the lift this year, that'll be fading. Uh, I think the purchasing power rotation, which was a big part of uh, adding to this year, that will be continuing, but not nearly as much as what we saw this year. So you put all that together, combine it with very high interest rates, which are gonna certainly be high for long through the first half of the year at least. Uh, and you can, it's not hard to tell the worrying story uh, right now that I think is the message we're trying to express in the the top or the, the top down. Well, I think there's there's, it's a little bit complicated here because I think in our bottom up forecast, which has a soft landing, there's also quite a bit of weakness and demand that emanates from the U.S. and Western Europe over the next uh, couple of quarters. We have U.S. growth. Yeah, that's uh, the observational to... equivalent. Both have softness. 
not well I, I mean i think though that the um there's two elements of this softness could be delivering a soft landing because of um the weakness in demand uh but it doesn't get you know deep enough to break um but softness obviously could lead to a break and there's an observational equivalence there but also you know, one of the questions is what's the risk on growth that it actually turns out to be firmer than that, you know, in a world in which we're getting uh, some positive news on energy prices here more recently, uh, where the fundamentals are looking pretty solid. Next week, we're going to see third quarter profits in the U.S. that are going to be doing uh, quite well. And obviously, markets have taken out a decent amount of the rise in uh, uh, higher interest rates that we had over the course of the summer. So there's there's two elements to this. You know, you can get a soft landing from weak weak demand, uh, and you can also be seeing that as a sign that we're cl getting closer to break, or you can get stronger growth and better supply side performance, and and the, then you rely more on no, the that's, inflation. That's the kicker, Bruce. You threw that in at the end, and I I agree. If you get the supply side performance, but if you get stronger growth without a supply side performance, that gives you that other leg of boiling the frog, which is you're just too darn hot, and inflation doesn't come down. Labor markets stay too tight, and central banks may even need to start raising rates again. Um, right, which is I just, personally just, don't put a lot of weight just, on, okay. on that right now. I, I think the supports that you just mentioned are, are are certainly there. I think the falling energy prices will be an important part of giving us a decent holiday shopping season. But the 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 the, the breadth of the fading drags, uh, the, the the kind of the interest costs rising, the high for long kind of squeezing that big squeeze leg of the boiling the frog scenario is the one that I mean, you and I both put the the, the most weight on uh, opposed to this too darn hot or this Goldilocks scenario. Yeah, but I would just say in terms of the risks, let's just say the U.S. growing trend like, which is one and a half, one and three quarters for the next couple of quarters. I'd say the risks are balanced around that. Yeah, yeah, through the first for, through the first half, uh, that's probably right. Um, but if the U.S. Right. is growing, you know, if the U.S. is growing two, two and a half, payrolls are growing one hundred fifty thousand. That's a very different observational equivalent story than if the U.S. is growing, you know, half a percent and payrolls are getting close to zero. Right? There's the two very different macro pictures that can play out here over the next six months or so. And yeah. I'm not sure when. I'd say when there are more than that. <laughs> uh, let's just let's just keep it on the dimensions of growth. I'm yeah. not sure which the the soft landing, which of the two soft landing paths, which is increasingly getting you know priced into what has been solid equity market performance and expectations of early ease, which of those is the most uh, likely? I, I have to say I'm sitting here without an enormous conviction right now in terms of thinking through what's the what's the right way to think about the. The, the surprise that we're going to have is growth going to surprise us to the upside. I, I don't I don't think anybody is sitting here thinking we're going to keep growing uh, 3%, which is what we've done in the last four quarters, or we're going to continue to generate, you know, 250, 300,000 jobs per month, which is the last roughly 12 month uh, average on that. But um, I mean, to you know, your point, I mean, you certainly could say this quarter things are coming in stronger than expected because was it this week or last? I think it was this week we revised up our forecast for U.S. growth, right? The two percent, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's about where Atlanta is sitting as well, in terms yeah. of their tracking as which, early in the quarter. Which, for anyone keeping track, is still above potential. Um, yeah, and, and obviously the unemployment rate's been drifting higher, but it's it's an interesting question as to whether or not the strength of 
demand over the last four quarters, which has given us about 3% growth, has helped that in a way that will now start to fade. So I think there's an interesting set of moving parts on both the demand side and on the supply side here in terms of tracking um, what's going to happen. Our baseline view is interesting because it has both a the baseline bottom-up view has both a soft landing, but also has some fairly substantial weakening in demand in the U.S. and and still very sluggish growth, basically stagnant growth in Europe for the next couple of quarters. Um, so, um, you know, I'm almost of the mind of the opposite, which is I think things will show a little more resilience in the short term, but have problems looking out more uh, as we go down the road in 24. But we'll, you know, we can see how that that plays itself out here. Um, yeah. And then I think on the inflation side, we're kind of, you know, I think we're facing a conversation where a lot of people are saying, hey, we're we're pretty much there. We can see the run rates coming down. We can anticipate housing coming off in the US um, and that, you know, really don't have to worry about this. This is in train. We're, we're at a point now where the, um, the traction has been accumulated here. So, so that central banks six months from now are going to have the opportunity to basically declare to declare victory, we are also remaining cautious on that. But I can see the uh, the two sided risk here too, in a way that I wouldn't want to pound the table. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it is two sided, right? I, I think a uh, lot of the conversations we're having and kind of the market views seems to be more one sided, right? I, I think the <laughs> other side of it, which is disinflation, I, I think the other side of it is that when you actually start to look at recent the recent CPI developments in the U.S. I mean, there's there's definitely some sticky inflation there. In fact, the the sticky inflation measure has been accelerating in terms of the three month run rate. The, the Cleveland Fed's median price has been accelerating, um, and yeah, I think there's there's reasons to to look at shelter and all that coming off. But the big concern has been these other core services outside of shelter that are looking a bit stickier. And that continues to be the case. So if, I mean, this is what's interesting, right? If, if the, if the fed sounded uh, somewhat dovish at its last, last press meeting it, you know, every, all the data points are showing kind of somewhat stronger growth than they've been looking for and a, a disinflation process that's happening, but probably not as fast as they would want to, uh, which begs the question, and by the way, and financial conditions, the 10 year is now at what, 440 um, and has, uh, you know, off where it was when the Fed said they're worried about tightening financial conditions. So you throw all of that into the mix and December, I know, is just completely off the table for anyone you talk to, but I I don't know. Like if I were just adding things up, I would wonder why, scratch my head. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable to look at the data and say, let's give it a chance here. But where were you? You would be? have said that. You would have said that. I've been before. saying that for six months. Right, now. exactly. So I don't think that's the right comparison. I'm just trying to be consistent with what the Fed was saying, uh, which is they're worried about financial conditions tightening. Uh, you know, they still felt the need. They had a hike in their dots uh, from the September meeting. Uh, and if I just look at what's changed since September, I don't know if much has changed. Am I well, they're going to. Yeah, I think some some things have changed. I think they're going to come in in December and have to lower their core PCE forecast for the year from three, seven to probably three, four. That's that's a decent step down that by itself gives them some uh room for being a little more cautious here 
Um, obviously, as you said, even with the rally here, financial conditions, at least in terms of rate space, are higher than where they were, um, you know, three or four months ago. Um, and you know, I think they're kind of looking at the data and saying, as I think some of the people are pushing back against our view are, which is you've got this momentum in goods, which is going to continue. Uh, and then you can sort of bank on housing services to come off here. And those two things together will probably get you lower on core from what's already a, a decent step down you made. I, mean, I think the, to my mind, the offset to that is that the goods pricing story may, may last a little longer than we expect, but I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to count on it very long, especially if I'm, if I'm setting monetary policy with a 12, 18 month outlook. And I do think one of the wild cards here, which we are not going to really see till the early part of next year is healthcare costs, which I think is a much bigger part of the PCE basket, which I think has got more bias uh, to firm here than what's built into many people's uh, forecasts. And, and obviously that's connected to labor costs. It's connected to uh, the dynamics um, on spending and um, uh, hiring in the sector as well. But uh, we'll see. Uh, let's t let's turn a little bit outside the U.S., Joe, and and kind of there's two things which I think strike me in terms of the the outlook is one is how slow the um, the path continues to be for Europe. We do have some recovery in the euro early next year, but it's not happening for a little while. We've got the U.K. sliding into recession in our forecast next year, uh, and then we have EM basically doing pretty darn good in our forecast. And you know, so let's let's leave the U.S. aside for a second, and we can continue on this issue of where the U.S. risks lie. But let's just assume the U.S. is neither breaking nor booming um, in the next uh, number of months. Um, where do you see kind of the, uh, the pressure points globally? Are we being too pessimistic about Europe or too optimistic about EM? Or, or do both of these things kind of make sense to you? Um, I would say I guess I'm a little more puzzled about the, the EM Part of the story, although I I think if we get a soft landing, EM is going to do amazingly well, right? Uh, so I, I guess in that sense, it it holds together. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't fight it as much. I'm trying to shoehorn yours and my more, I guess, can I say, pessimistic view. Uh, and I think the EM will will suffer in that. Um, I think the the European story has been a, a, a one that both you and I have been more downbeat on. I think the European team has expressed that concern in their in their outlook, right? I mean, they straight up will tell you that, you, that all the drivers of growth look quite negative. You got super tight monetary policy, you've got tightening uh, fiscal policy, credit is pretty darn weak, um, sentiment is uh, incredibly uh, depressed. Uh, unlike the fall in gasoline prices here, I think you've seen natural gas prices kind of move up off their lows uh, that you saw earlier in the year. I'm not saying that's a huge concern and they have ample supplies, but I'm, you're always worried about a, a potentially cold winter. All of that into the mix for an economy that's already floating around zero suggests that something could be breaking. I think they're hanging their hat a lot on something we've been flagging for a while, which is that the consumer is pretty weak despite having the resources to spend. Real income there is actually been doing uh, relatively well. Uh, saving rate is surprisingly higher now than where it was from the pandemic. And that stands to come down in a world where wealth has moved up quite a bit. Uh, and when you put all that together, I think they are really, the, they, the team uh, is, is building a forecast based on a, a reawakening in the, in the European consumer that 
kind of gets its gets it back on track. It's not strong growth for next year, but it's uh, something that kind of moves it off the edge of zero. So I, I, I get that call. I'm just a little nervous uh, about uh, the, the weakness up until now. Yeah. I mean, I think it is interesting if we think about EM, how much our, our, our team is basically saying to us that unless something goes wrong in global financial markets or unless the US slash Europe goes into recession, that the picture there is just pretty good, that China's got its problems, but policies delivering a floor on growth, that the tech recovery and you know some of the uh, underlying uh, fundamentals in Asia outside of China are going to continue to give you growth, even if global industry is on the soft side, and that there's still a decent backdrop in you know broader picture of EM. They're not dependent on credit. Uh, their fiscal pictures are not in bad shape. There's some opportunity for easing. And that we should like look at EM as a very different animal than we often do, which is to say it's just a levered play off of what global financial conditions are doing. There's actually an underlying healthy backdrop there that would require a much bigger shock to the US or Western Europe to really throw it uh, off course. Uh, yeah, yes and no. I, I I think it still is the case that, particularly in Asia, I, I think if the US has a recession, even if it's mild, Asia is going to get hit hard. I think if the if Asia or if the U.S. has a soft landing, Asia is really going to fly here, uh, and I mean that both. But that's the point. Kind of, that's the point I'm trying to make. I, Joe, I don't. No, think I know. Anybody's but said, debating. That sounds very levered to me. <laughs> I don't think there's any. <laughs> that's doubt. a high beta response. I don't think there's any doubt that if the U.S. has a recession, uh, it's going to basically, you know, percolate everywhere in ways that we perhaps even, uh, you know, thinking through recession dynamics won't easily uh, appreciate. And again, I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with using the word mild recession because I think mild recession only really qualifies recessions relative to past recessions. It's not mild in any absolute sense. But let's leave aside the recession story because again, I think that that does change things. But basically what they're saying is what you're saying is if you just take out a recession story in the US, then EM is going to do really well here. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's that's something worth noting in I mean, an environment in which we've I think that's a call on financial markets. I, I do wonder, I, I, let's put it this way. I can, I can envision the global industry stagnating for another six to eight months here. Um, and I wouldn't get too excited about Asia in that environment. And I know you and I have been debating about the current picture and tech is certainly doing quite well. Um, but that, I think if you gave me six months of, continued softness as our baseline soft landing story is, I think even tech will come back to earth and the CapEx part of the non-tech, which has been incredibly weak, will continue to be weak. And I, I think Asia will struggle through that first half of the year. They are a levered play on global industry. And it's in our baseline soft landing forecast, global industry doesn't look too great. Yeah, I'm not as, I mean, again, uh, conditional on the U.S. generating okay growth, nothing, nothing exciting around trend. I think global industry is the better. I think Asia will do pretty well. Um, but you know, I I probably as a baseline put in two two percent growth for global industry for the next six months, and in which case, you know, I think Asia's got the tech story. It's got its domestic dynamics doing okay. Um, and if the world isn't breaking, financial conditions will be broadly supportive. So 
I think it'll be, I'll be, I think they will be an outperformer over, over this, this period. Well, one uh, thing that is happening is China just keeps coming out with new and <laughs> new fiscal <laughs> programs every week and a, a new trillion, uh, remember uh, package, uh, keeps, keeps coming out. So that could change the picture. Well, that's certainly in my mind, not that China's going to boom here, but that China's not going to be, uh, a real threat here in the next, uh, six months or so it's going to kind of be five-ish in terms of what it delivers um and that's you know that's going to be okay for the region um yeah. let me ask you this because i'm 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 sitting here doing more amusing than pushing is there anything yeah. in your mind that you want to like say hey i have a high conviction call in the next uh, let's just keep it to the next three or four months or so in terms of what you think will show up on the global scene I mean, I, I am getting, a, this is, I guess, in the weeds, but I'm getting a, a little more excited than most people. And maybe it's relative to, to uh, seems to be a shaping consensus view of a concern around consumers into the holiday shopping season. There's a lot of anecdotes out there about weakness. I, I actually, with the, the energy price and the gasoline price decline, um, I'm feeling good about that. Um, maybe in, 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 you were right. You laughed when I mentioned claims last week, but uh, you know I, I was a little nervous about the claims numbers last week, and they came in today, so I'm feeling better. I live and live and die by those in a way that I think you're you correctly try to push me back from. <laughs> uh, but that makes me feel a little bit better. I, I think in general the labor market is probably doing better than the way people characterize the downshift that we had, and even in the last payroll report, uh, I didn't get. Kind of all worked up over the unemployment rate rise, which felt like it had more supply side elements to it. I, I think it, it, payrolls of 160 is pretty darn good. Uh, you're going to get a big pop with the UAW coming back. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I high conviction. I, I think fourth quarter is probably. I mean, I'm actually leaning in your camp. You were trying to express through the first half, which maybe I wasn't, but uh, certainly this quarter, I think things will probably surprise people. Um, and, and by the way, I think all that surprise will uh, maybe too much of a good thing in terms of the, the too darn hot type scenario that, that we've laid out. So I'd, I'd be watching that. Yeah. OK. I'm not going to jump in here because, again, I'm, I'm sort of frustratingly um, I have my biases. I have my biases, but I don't have my my convictions. I'm open to persuasion. Let's put it like that. Yeah. I have a feeling that three months from now, we're going to have a much stronger view about 24 than we have now. But yeah. let's um, let's just leave it there. I think when we don't have the conviction, we should make sure to express that. And uh, we'll be uh, debating about whether the U.S. had a recession in 25, well into 26 and seven. <laughs> let's let's keep our minds on 24 for the time being. Okay. And with right. that, let me wish you a good good turkey tomorrow or whatever you're eating. I know some some people on our team have told us they're staying away from turkey. Uh, Bruce, b before we go, can we just flag some of the the data that we have coming up? I, I think it is. No, we going. can't. Sorry. Yeah, no. Can. Okay. Please. No. Please do that. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we do have the, the flash BMIs are coming out in the next couple of days, and those that will be important marker, particularly for Europe, which has just been kind of dead yep. in the water for a while. And uh, it would be nice to see a little sign of life uh, from those flash readings. Um, and then the other thing, I think next week, we, uh, we don't get a payroll report, uh, even though the first is falling, I think, on Friday. Uh, that comes out the week after. But out of the U.S., we do get this uh, second print on U.S. GDP for the third quarter, which will give us 
corporate profits. And both you and I have been making a big deal about the income generation of that third quarter. This will be our first read of the corporate side of that income generation. And I, I think that'll be uh, uh, hopefully reinforce the idea that uh, while the, the, the strength is, should be faded in terms of coming into the quarter, the income generation is something that will give it some legs. Yep. We also get personal income where I think we've got a 0.23 or two on the core PCE reading right. for that, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But um, I guess we'll leave it there. Again, hope that everybody uh, uh, enjoys uh, the weekend. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about as we go forward here uh, and uh, hope we continue to do so on the weekender. Take care. Bye.